Luke chapter 1. We've been talking about that pronouncement that God made at the very beginning of time, let there be light. And I've mentioned over the series that every single uh, uh, event through Scripture has been a reminder of that same pronouncement. All throughout Scripture, God's speaking into darkness saying, let there be light. The world we live in is full of darkness. It's one of sin, one that has been corrupted. Yet all through history, even in biblical times, in deep, deepest darkness, God is speaking and saying, let there be light. Into troubled times, let there be light. Into a world where things don't work as they should, let there be light. Into an environment where we were never designed to function, He's saying, let there be light. You just think of that for a moment. As, as God created this earth, he, he looked upon it and he said, it is good. It is good. And into that world, he set Adam and Eve. He set humanity. He set you and I in that world. And that was the world to which we were created to dwell in. That was the environment in Genesis 3, sin enters the world, and all of a sudden we have an environment that is no longer that with which God had intended us to live in. Call it a fish out of water syndrome. Is a, you know, a fish is designed and created to, to live and dwell in the ocean. You take a fish out of that and put it on this table, it was never intended to live on this table. Likewise, you and I were never intended, we were never created, you were never designed to live in a world of sin, to live in a world of darkness. We weren't designed that way, we have, and, and as much as we want to think it, we haven't adapted to it. It will still be and continue to be ill-fitting. Why? Because we were created in the image of God to be like Him. We were created or that perfection, that environment that God had created for us. So we were never intended to live or dwell or function or cope. You don't have the capacity to do that. You weren't designed to do that, nor was I. Yet into that, God speaks over and over and over again, let there be light, a return to that with which God had designed this world. I like watching um, Everest documentaries. I have this fascination with Mount Everest. I, um, as much as I would love to climb it, it, it just scares me. And I, I like um, warmth and heat, and uh, I like the beach, and I like too much. I also like air. <laughs> How's that? But if you think about that, just um, cold. Cold, it goes along with darkness. Cold and uh, a lack of heat. Uh, light gives off heat. And, and with that comes warmth and comes things that, that we need for life. Uh, on, on Everest, uh, they say on a warm summer day, it might get up to negative 5 Fahrenheit. Um, I, pre I prefer things a little warmer than that, thank you very much. But uh, it, it's not unusual to have a daytime temperature, a high of negative 35 in the summertime on Everest. And you just think about that. Things don't function well at that temperature. 
Um, things slow down. Things start to die. Uh, in our family, we have a, a, it's, it's funny, I kind of, every once in a while when I'm freezing cold, I revert to the, or I jump over to the Kelvin scale just to give the hyperbole of how cold I am. And I, I was caught off guard the other day because I, I, I uttered a negative Kelvin number and I was proven wrong that that's, that doesn't exist. In fact, zero Kelvin, I think, uh, I'll be corrected on this this afternoon at lunch, but um, uh, I think it's that point where every living thing and every atom stops moving. There's cold that gets so cold that every living thing just stops moving. And death comes at that point to everything. You think about that. Darkness and cold... And that is, is synonymous just with this lack of life. And, and this is the, the lack of life that has come upon our world. Darkness, the absence of light, the ceasing of all movement, as if the vibrancy with which humanity was created has just been sucked out. It's lifeless. We're walking around, uh, even Scripture talks about you know, people walking around as if they're living, but they're truly dead. This is the environment that we live in. But in the Bible, there is time and time, account after account, of godly people who've turned from the Lord, leaders failing, God's people taken out of freedom and put into bondage, serving an enemy oppressor. But then there's a as we talked about a few weeks ago, this stirring, this glint of light, this, this beam of light that just surprises, unexpected arrival. And with that, last week we talked about the defeat of sin and the powers of darkness. The fact that Jesus is born, God incarnate, light defeating darkness. It's, it's like the end of winter, spring arriving. And, and where I, we used to live up in the Pacific Northwest, there'd be the, the frost and, and sometimes just the snow covering and the crocuses and, the, and the, the tulips would push through the crust of the earth. And, and even though it was still kind of chilly in the mornings and that, the, the earth was beginning to warm. Here in, in Texas, the wildflowers start to bloom and we're reminded that winter is coming to an end and spring is coming and summer is soon to follow. I tell you, I love heat. I love warmth. Um, I said in the first service that uh, there are times in the middle of summer when it's 100 degrees out, Coming into work in the morning, I'll, I'll stand on those front steps in the front, and I will literally do this. If you see me doing this, you'll, you'll now know what I'm doing. I will stop, I'll close my eyes, and I'll lift my arms like this, and I'll just soak all of the heat in. And every Texan here is thinking I'm, I'm like strange. Um, someone came to me after the first service and said, you obviously haven't worked outside in West Texas, have you? I said, you're right, I haven't. But it's interesting, even that thinking, those people who, like all you all Texans, um, you know, it's just, you experience that every single day that it just becomes, it, it becomes something we don't really appreciate anymore. 
Um, uh, the person told me, yeah, out in West Texas, like 340 days of sunshine all year long. Man, I've had enough of heat. I've had enough to last me a lifetime. Well, you put, the, you put it on the other shoe as somebody who grew up in the Pacific Northwest who had 340 days of rain and 40-degree weather and the darkness and, you know, sun comes up at about 8.30 in the morning and it goes down about 3.30 in the afternoon. Oh, you take all of the sun and all of the heat and you just soak it in as much as you can. But it's a picture of darkness coming to an end, the night is ended, and dawn coming. Jesus coming to earth as a baby. So look at Luke chapter 1. And this is the arrival. There's a narrative here that has Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah. You have Mary and and her soon-to-be husband Joseph. We're told that Mary and Elizabeth are relatives. Uh, Some would would say and conclude that they were cousins. They were close relatives. Others would say we're not exactly sure. But regardless, they're relatives. And you have the angel appearing to Elizabeth and saying, you're, you're going to be pregnant and you're, this child you're going to carry is a special child who's going to pronounce and introduce the Messiah who is to come. Your son, John, will have a special place in the pronouncement and the preparation for the arrival of Christ Jesus, the Messiah. And then the angel appeared to Mary, and look at the scene in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy, John, or sorry, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. It says that she was confused and disturbed and and she tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Surprise, you're pregnant. Of course she's going to be confused. Of of course she's going to be a little afraid. Jump down to verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. There's this reunion of relatives. There's obviously an affinity there. There's an affection that they have for one another. There's just a great celebration that they're together. It's kind of like you're... uh, uh, relatives showing up at your place on Christmas Eve, you're anticipating their arrival, and uh, Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house. And it says there that at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women. And your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And here's the picture. You have Mary and Elizabeth. Elizabeth uh, is sitting at home there. The doorbell rings. Uh, You know, she answers it on her iPhone. She's got one of those smart doorbells. And uh, she says, who is it? It's Mary. Okay, I'll be right there. Or let yourself in or whatever. Anyways, they meet in in the living room. 
And John, who is still in Elizabeth's womb, like starts doing the jig and starts doing the dance and the, you know, fist bumping and, you know, jumping for joy. John is excited that he is in the presence of the Messiah and he can sense it, he can feel it even in the womb. Something supernatural is going on even before Jesus' birth. This is the setting, this is the scene. And today I want us to grab this picture of joy and excitement that John experienced even before Jesus was born, even before he was born. The supernatural arrival of Christ the Messiah. You know, I think sometimes in, in church, we get kind of like Texans in the middle of summer that, you know, it's like, oh, I've been there, done that, had that 100 degree weather, I wish it would go away, we need rain. You know, sorry to oversimplify the life of a Texan, but at the same time, we don't get excited about 100 degree weather like this northerner does. That said, I think at times, we as Christians, we kind of just sort of downplay and, hey, been there, done that, the Christmas story, woo-hoo, good story for kids, we kind of pump it up a little bit, we have a little baby Jesus in the manger and that, and isn't that just a nice story? But do we really understand what this is? Do we understand good news that brings great joy? Do we understand what Christ's arrival as a baby means and accomplished for each and every one of us? Do we understand that? There's a couple of pictures I want to show you that I feel kind of sum up the sentiment of a Christ follower who comes to grips fully with the idea that Jesus Christ came as a baby. He came to pay the price for our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay the price on our own and we could have a relationship with God, our Father in heaven. And picture number one is this. School's out for Christmas. School's out. Do you notice that there isn't a kid in that? And somebody asked me, is that a picture of you in your, you know, black and white back in, you know. No, that's not, but it probably would have been. Do you notice there isn't a, any kid there? Even the subdued kid on the, on the right, they're just kind of throwing his arms up in the air. He's still on the ground. He's smiling. There isn't a sad face in the group. No one there is saying, you know what, I wish I could kind of spend a few more days in school. You know, I really loved algebra class. I really loved English. I, boy, I wish we could just go back and stay a little longer. There isn't one kid who's saying that. Every single one is going, throwing their papers in the air, throwing their books, and, you know, they're excited. They're happy. They're joyful. They have, and, School's out, summer's here, you know, Christmas break, you name it, no more school. There's no more darkness, there's no more sorrow, there's no more sadness for those who have been living in darkness. Why? Because Christ the Messiah has arrived. There's no sadness there. There's no gloom, there's no despair, but you know what, I, I, I venture to say that there would be some kids in that group that probably were having a bad day, that they might have had, that maybe they're going home to something that wasn't quite a great environment for them, maybe they're, they were going uh, home to a place where they didn't know where their food was going to be on the table or that, but you know what, in that moment it doesn't show why, because they're overcome and overwhelmed with joy. Does that mean that, that when things are going on in our lives, we're not affected by the joy of the Lord? No. We have joy even in the midst of that 
Peter talks about that in the book of 1 Peter. He talks about even in the midst of affliction, even in the midst of, of, of the stuff that we're going on in life, even in the midst of a dark world, we experience great joy, inexpressible joy. This is what Christ has come to do. No sad faces. There's another picture that I pulled up that kind of speaks of the joy. There's no sad face there, is there? A little different environment, a little different scenario. Dad coming home from deployment. That kid doesn't have any sadness, does he? That kid's been waiting. That kid's been anticipating. That kid's been just, just counting down the days. Probably had the calendar up on the wall and now it's here and now there's joy. It's not like the kid sat on the other side of the, the, the parking lot and started wandering over and going, yeah, dad's home. No way. There's incredible amounts of joy, just like John in Elizabeth's womb, jumping for joy. Why? Because Jesus had come. Jesus had arrived, the long-anticipated, the long-expected Savior of the world had finally arrived. And this is what happens when Jesus appears. This is the wish I have for each and every one of you today. This is the wish, this is my prayer, is that each and every one of us would grasp exactly what is going on in the incarnation, exactly what is happening when Jesus comes. He fills us with inexpressible joy. This is the wish I have for our community. Much like Paul in Ephesians 3 where he says, you know what, my prayer is that you just kind of grasp, wrap your mind around exactly what's going on with Christ Jesus. That you know how high and deep and wide and far and, and the, the height and breadth of all of this, the love of Christ that is accessible to you. And it fills you to overflowing this fullness Paul just keeps going on and on and on. But just, I want you to wrap your mind or just mind blown. That's a good thing. Wrap your mind around it. Celebration is here. The darkness, the pain, the worry, the fear is gone. Jesus has arrived and there's this reunion that is now accessible to us with our Father in heaven. Huge amounts of joy. Through the incarnation, Jesus the Messiah Emmanuel, God with us. And once again, God has pronounced this. Let there be light. You may recall the scene around Bethlehem the night that Jesus was born. This scene of immense amount of joy. You have Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem who had gone there to register for the census. And the time came for the baby to be born. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and she laid him in the manger. And we read that there were shepherds staying out in the fields. Guarding their sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the radiance of the Lord's glory, we're told, surrounded them. Could you imagine being there? Could you imagine experiencing the radiance of God's glory surrounding you? 
We're told in Luke chapter 2 that it says, But the angel said to them, even in their fear, Don't be afraid. Why? Because I bring you what? I bring you good news. And it's not just lifeless good news. It's good news that has an effect, and that is great joy. And it says that the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest. This good news that brings great joy, this ecstatic joy that, that fills us up. It's not like the, the, the shepherds are sitting out in the field there and they had to conjure it up. Hey, Bob, are you happy? I'm happy. Are you happy? Let's kind of get happy here. You know, whoop, whoop, all that stuff, you know. Hey, let's kind of, con- no. The glory of the Lord was there and in the exact same way that John encountered Jesus even in the womb, and was filled with joy. It says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The angels experienced that joy, and it was something they couldn't deny, and it was something that they didn't have to conjure up on their own. This is the scene. It's almost like New Year's uh, here in uh, America. You know, in Canada, um, Canadians are a little bit more subdued. Um, we, we kind of, we celebrate, but um, it, it's, it tends to not be out there. So much so that when the Olympics were, were in my hometown in, in 20, uh, 2010, the, the prime minister um, made an edict and he called for, um, what was it, uh, something to the extent like um, um, uh, vast amounts of joy and celebration. He had to like give the Canadian public permission to celebrate you know it's kind of like what you know <laughs> you know it's not like you know Canadians are just a little bit more subdued so much so that on on New Year's we tend to um, instead of fireworks and things we kind of resort to um, you know simpler and maybe not as loud and boisterous things such as banging pots and pans together that's uh, you know that's what I grew up doing hey mom hey dad can can is tonight the night we get to bang pots and pans together (laughs) can we do that yes you can this is the one night of the year you can bang pots and pans go at it kids all right bang bang you know that's what we used to do every once in a while you have some firecrackers left over you have some you know some roman candles or something but nothing compared to the united states of america you all know how to do it right you load up the, the Suburban, you load up the pickup truck down at the, the you know, two-for-one fireworks place or the nine-for-one, you know, buy one, get nine free, and you load it up and you have an arsenal in your front yard, and you're going to blast those things, you're counting down, you got the digital clock going, you know, it's counting down, and at the stroke of midnight, you're lighting those puppies, you even have it like computerized, it's off to music, and it's amazing. Why? Because it's a celebration. It's joy. Now you take that and you compare that to like downtown Dallas or Chicago or New York and even your celebration is a little bit measly. You know, you get going and I tell you, it is a celebration. It's something to get excited about. My encouragement to each and every one of us is Christ, is is this something we can get excited about? Is this something that affects us and changes us and transforms us in a way that that flows out and over and, and into other people's lives from us? 
And this is the picture I have as the angels celebrated the biggest and baddest uh, New Year's celebration. The shepherds are sitting out there just watching this going, wow, yes, love it. And this is what the entirety of Scripture proclaims. That a Savior is born to you today and He is Christ the Lord. He's wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. There's so much more going on there too. In Matthew 12, uh, uh, Matthew refers to Isaiah's prophetic uh, uh, message over his people. And, and he says, this is, this is, uh, the birth of Christ was to fit, fulfill what Isaiah had spoken about when he said, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me and I will put my spirit upon him. And he will proclaim justice to the nations. And get this, and his name will be the hope of all the world. So not only is there joy, but there's hope. How many of you could use a little bit more hope today? How many would agree that there are people in our community that could use a whole lot more hope today? Look in Isaiah chapter 9, it says, Of the greatness of his government, and what? And peace, there will be no end. How about the expression of more peace? Not just joy and hope, but how about peace? How about peace in our community and the chaos and, the, and just the, uh, the anxiety and fear and worry that's going on? How about peace? Isaiah also talks about in, in chapter 51, he says, those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. And they will enter Jerusalem singing. So he's talking about those people of God who were exiled as a result of their sin. And that at one point, God would come back and He would restore them back to the the land. And in fact, giving this imagery and this foreshadowing of the coming Messiah who would not just save Israel from the Babylonians or from the Assyrians, but He would save His people and He would save His chosen and, and His ordained ones. He would save those people and bring them into peace and joy. And He says there would be singing and everlasting joy and sorrow and mourning would what? It would disappear. And they will be filled with joy and gladness. Filled to overflowing with joy and gladness. You know, I think sometimes we, we feel like, much like Texans in the middle of summer going, oh, another 100 degree day. I think sometimes we come into church just going, oh, another day walking with Jesus. Oh, I guess, you know, another day just Great. And when was the last time you were filled to overflowing with inexpressible joy? When was the last time you jumped for joy and you're going, I know I'm at like 85 or I'm 55 and my body doesn't quite work like it used to? Well, you know what? Maybe if you jumped around and celebrated and allowed the joy of the Lord to fill you, you'd be able to move a little better. Just saying. But you know, I, I, that's one thing I love about Crossroads is, is, is we embrace that whole undignified thing. We, uh, you know, we don't quite jump to the David thing of you know, going buck naked running up and down the hallways. But, 
At the same time, there's just this level of, you know what, I'm going to worship, I'm going to celebrate. Um, if I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing, I'm going to shout, I'm going to shout. If I'm going to clap my hands, I'm going to clap my hands. If I'm going to yell, I'm going to yell. If I'm going to worship, I'm going to worship. I'm, just, I'm simply going to respond. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me. And I'm just going to be so filled with joy. Why? Because the Lord is here and I'm meeting with Him. And I love that about Crossroads, but it's worth saying that, you know what, let's not lose that. Let's not put that on the back shelf. Let's not ever take that for granted. Let's continue to, to wrap our minds around how high and deep and wide and tall and, and the height and breadth of the love of Christ for each and every one of us. Let's never lose sight of that and let it fill us to the fullness with extreme joy. Inviting our worship team to come up. We'll close in just a moment here. But you know, there is truly a difference between those who know Christ, who understand what Christ came to do, and those who don't. And my thing, I want to say it again, this isn't a matter of conjuring it up. This isn't a matter of just putting on a happy face and smiling. And truth be told, I grew up in a in a, a community of, of Christ followers where from time to time there was a lot of people going through some difficult times and they were simply trying to conjure it up and put on a happy face and wear the mask. And I tell you, that doesn't work. But let me tell you, when you find someone and you run into somebody where Jesus is truly Lord of their life, it doesn't matter what they're going through. It doesn't matter the scene, the scenario, or where they're at. There is an underlying joy. I've sat with a lot of people going through some deep, deep, heavy stuff. And they might not be sitting there doing a dance or singing praises, but, but there's this underlying joy regardless of their setting and situation people who have lost loved ones, people who have lost jobs, people who have, have been per, uh, pronounced and diagnosed with some pretty, pretty ugly illnesses. It's not necessarily a time for rejoicing, but truly the joy of the Lord is within them and the, and the joy of the Lord is their strength. And that's what you can experience today. That's what I encourage you to experience today. Over 30 years of ministry, I've, I've found myself in two settings and situations, two environments where there's a marked difference between those who know Christ and His light and those who don't and those who are still living in darkness. First scene in the first scenario is a, is a hospital room. Many times I've been in hospital rooms where people are close to death. Many times I'll be in situations like that as a chaplain and I don't know the family prior to this initial meeting and it's kind of awkward, but I trust the Lord that He's got a plan and a purpose for me being there. I tell you, within seconds of walking into a room, I can tell you whether... Christ is the Lord of someone in that room or not. Particularly the person who is close to death. It's tangible. 
Like I said, they're not dancing, they're not celebrating, and yet there's, for those who know Christ and have, have experienced the, the light of His goodness and the joy that comes out of it, there's that underlying peace and the joy and the hope that's there. A stark contrast to walking into a room where there is no light of Christ. No hope, no joy, no peace. The second place where it's very notable is at a cemetery. The times that I've done funerals. It's very easy to sense and to discern where people's hearts are with the Lord. Whether they've experienced and they know and they understand the light of life. Jesus. Or they don't. Know this, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God incarnate, as He came to this earth, as God spoke and said, let there be light through my Son, Jesus. There's a difference and a change that takes place. And as you invite Christ into your life, there's a light and a joy and a peace and a contentment and a comfort that comes. Something that we share with our community, something that we share with those around us. And it's time to celebrate it's a time to shout for joy. It's a time to experience the, the glory of the Lord surrounding, just like the shepherds out in the field. I'm inviting you to stand. I'm going to pray. And I challenge you, even this week, to allow the joy of the Lord to fill you to overflowing. Not something you conjure up, but simply you say, Jesus, come. May I grasp around me. May I grasp in my mind, in my heart, in my soul exactly what you've come to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts how much you love us. Lord, we confess those times that we've really taken it for granted and we've simply relegated it to a story or just a compartment, a part of our life journey and our faith journey. But Lord, this is the crux. This is the center. This is the centerpiece. This is the, the essence of your message and your work. And so Lord, I pray for each person here that just like John experienced being in company, being in the same room with Jesus Christ, Lord, today we stand in your presence and we're filled with awe, we're filled with amazement and we are overcome with joy. So fill our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who are going through difficult times and, and struggles that even in the midst of that, Lord, there'd be that underlying peace and joy. Bring it, Lord. Bring it. We celebrate you. We celebrate who you are and we thank you for coming as a baby. God incarnate, our Savior, our Lord, came to bring light to our darkness and restore that relationship. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.